Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. I'm glad that you are here today. I know that God uh, uh, has a word for you today. I want to jump right in to what is laid on my heart and see how much I can get through. Uh, the nice thing about getting to preach a Sunday or two in a row is you can just carry it on till next week if I don't finish today. And that ought to be something that you're glad about because if I, I'm just going to go till we're done, you might be here to one or two. Uh, so anyway, I, I want to encourage you today. See, Matthew 7, 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. God's word is a foundation for your life. After you get saved and you start living the Christian life, his word should be what you build on. And if you don't listen to, your, to his teachings and then follow it, then you're not operating in wisdom. So today you have an opportunity as we're getting started with the message today to make a decision in your own heart and life. Are you going to hear, are you going to listen, receive what's being said, and then go out and put to use what is said today so that your house is built on solid rock? I mean, I'm just expounding on that verse just a little bit before we get started. Because I desire to walk in wisdom, and I want it God's wisdom, not a world wisdom. I want, I want life to go well for me, and I want to know what that even means. Because, you know, in the Christian life, especially in the faith movement, and our whole vision this year is talking about faith, we sometimes only give faith a place in our life if it makes an impact in our flesh, in the car that we drive, the house that we live in. It, we only give place to faith if it's going to bless me what everyone would see outwardly in my life, or maybe what I would say, flesh. Now, the reason I want to talk about this today and, and possibly some next week is because we have people being baptized next Sunday that have made a commitment to the Lord and, and you may still be praying about that. And if you are, I pray that today will help you. You've got to have some foundational truths that is taught in church that make an impact on how you live life. Now, I'm all about reading the Word, and the greatest revealer of truth is obviously the Holy Spirit. But you know, He can do that through the week. But He can also do it on Sunday morning through just plain old preaching. And so I want you to know that what God has laid on my heart for today is important. It's important. In the, in the last days, these last days specifically that I'm talking about over the last two to three years, man has really been seeking ways to find happiness. You know, we thought we were happy. We thought we were all good here in America. And then there's a pandemic. And, and, and I'm just talking over the last few years, and all of a sudden we realized how we take for granted just the ability to walk into a store. <laughs> We've taken for granted buying and selling, free travel, free for, for this, that, and the other, just freedom. We, we, in a lot of ways, 
realized how quickly that can just be taken away and then you being made to feel guilty for wanting it. Come on, think about that. Because of man's carnality, he's always going to look for something that he doesn't think he has. That's the desire of the flesh. And he wants to produce what he thinks will satisfy him. Now, since the pandemic that we have faced, I have watched people try to find a way to bring satisfaction and joy into their life. That's what I want to talk today about, is satisfaction and joy in life. But I've watched, I've watched during the pandemic, do you realize the RV industry exploded? The lakes and hiking trails and all that, all of that gained three to four times, sometimes ten times as much activity as it ever has before because everybody wanted to get out of the house, and they couldn't go shopping, praise God. There was a good thing about it. And so what they did, though, is they shopped RVs, and they shopped for things that would bring uh, an excitement. They were looking for satisfaction because all of a sudden they started seeing freedom, different things were being taken away. I'm not satisfied anymore, and I understand that. But Christian people should have still had some satisfaction and joy. And I watched the church not have it. And I'm not talking about just Christian ministries, but when you get shook in what's going on in the world, you've got to make sure it doesn't shake your being, who you are. And the only way it can totally shake you is if you're only living by the flesh. For those that are living by the Spirit, and that's your primary source of strength, your primary source of satisfaction, your pri- you understand what joy really means, then regardless of what happens in the world, you're not shook. And I love, as I read, and we have studied over the last few weeks, men and women of God, that regardless of what was going on in their world, they didn't live shook. They lived satisfied, and they lived in joy. And so we've talked a lot about that, and I just wanted to do a message on it. See, the dictionary definition for joy is a feeling of great happiness based on something that happened or that is happening in your life. So joy is a feeling of great happiness. Well, let me give you a biblical definition of joy. It's a lasting feeling. The only difference between the world's definition and God's is real joy is lasting, It's a lasting enjoyment. It's a lasting feeling of great happiness. And it's all and only based on a trust in the Lord as opposed to something that happened or is happening. It's a trust in God. So real joy, we have to understand, from a biblical perspective works and from a world perspective is fleeting. Now, I want you to know, as I talk, when I use the word joy, I'm talking about the biblical definition. Be careful that you don't let your mind slip into the world's definition of joy. The world says it's all based on something that's happening. The word says it's all based on what Jesus did, and you trust him. 
You, you got to get the difference. You got to get the difference. It's just very important. And I could spend a whole sermon talking about that, but I'm going to say that you got it. And if you didn't, go back, rewind, whatever you got to do. Listen to that again and again because you have to understand the difference. And what the world says brings joy and what God says brings joy. Now, James 1, verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The world's definition doesn't work there. Count it all happiness and emotional feeling that's just awesome when you got a trial. It doesn't work that way. But you can still count it all joy when your trust is in the Lord and that emotion doesn't leave because it's lasting because of your trust in the Lord. And therefore, when you fall into trial, you can just count it an opportunity for God to show out and trust him for his promise. You see, there's just a big difference, and we don't understand even in the church what the difference is. And I can tell you that we don't understand it because I watched the church's response over the last three years. Now, satisfaction, fulfillment of one's wishes. I'm laughing because every time I say this word, I've got a song that goes in my head from the Rolling Stones. I can't get no, and then McJagger, I'm not doing that. Satisfaction. You know, I'm going to say that later when I'm talking about things that you bring up from your past you don't give glory to, I'm now doing that and I shouldn't be. And I'm sorry, so please forgive me. But, but here's the thing. That song, you know, songs get stuck in your head. And here's, here's the whole thing about satisfaction. It's fulfillment is one's wishes and expectations and needs. And the world says and the world sings that you can't get none without a box of cigarettes that are your brand. Go, go listen. Don't listen to the song. It's a part of this. I am totally messing this whole thing up. The world's right, though. In 1965, when that song came out, you can't get no satisfaction from what the world offers. And, and you're not going to. And what I'm telling you is the Bible is the only source in which you can find a way to live that will bring satisfaction. And that satisfaction will bring joy because it's lasting and it's a lasting emotion or feeling. And we don't like talking a lot about feelings here, but come on, your feelings get hurt. You need to get your feelings in line and you need to be able to get joy. And the only way you're going to get joy is to be satisfied, not based on circumstances, but in the Lord Jesus. So we got to know this. That's just important. The reason for all of this is well outlined in scripture. And it's in 1 John chapter 2. Man is governed by three basic motives when it comes to flesh living. Three basic motives that you better be aware of. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything you see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but uh, they're from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. 
This world is fading away. The way life was is not the way it is right now in the world. But for those that are a part of the kingdom of God and lives doing what pleases him, are going to live forever. And that live means the God kind of life, an agape life, a life that is exciting to be a part of and bring satisfaction and joy. So there's three things here that it talks about in verse 16 of 1 John chapter 2. Physical pleasure, a craving for things we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Let's talk about these just for a moment. First one, craving for physical pleasure in 1 John 2.16. Some translations will say the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, the, the, the desire for something in our flesh, what we can see, what we can hear, what we can taste, what we can smell, what we can touch. Those who live, Romans 8 verse 5 says, those who live according to these things, to the flesh, have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I'm telling you, this is a deep spiritual truth that Christians have got to get a picture of and an understanding of. Because if we're not careful, we can get up here and preach the message of the gospel and only make it pertain to what's going to affect you in the flesh. And you start craving what you see these people that are men and women of God and how they live and how they operate, and you're watching from the outside going, wow, obviously there's nothing wrong with having that. I'm not going to preach there's anything wrong with having something. I won't, I won't preach that at all. But it's only an overflow of what you have in the Spirit. And we get those things out of sync, out of order, and we've got things messed up. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now, Romans 1.21 says they knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. They knew God, but they didn't glorify him as God. We deal with this daily. Come on, we all do. We, I, I have... I, Every time I go out into another part of the country, and I could go right here, I'm just kind of blind to what's going on in our own world right here around me sometimes, but I go out and I start watching and I think, okay, these people are saying that they glorify God, but they don't look like they even know him. So you can say something, you can be in church on Sunday morning and bring no honor and glory to God. You can. And I, I've watched it because we think if we'll do this, then we'll be in good standing. And we don't understand that you can know God but not be glorifying him as God. You can, know, you can be saved and not living saved. Yeah. Boy, that's a tough statement. And I know a lot of theologians and probably some here that disagree with that. You can be saved and not live saved. See, you can make things right in your spirit and live in your flesh that it's no reflection of your spirit. We're three-part beings, and he came to save all three. And you got to learn how to operate being saved in all three. The problem is we think we just get our spirit right, and we're all right. We've got some foundational truths we've got to build our house on today. And that's what I'm trying to get into. So the first one is our physical pleasures, the lust of the flesh. Number two it talks about is the cravings the cravings for things we see, the lust of the eye. All right, the cravings for physical and the cravings for things we see. 
I, I think of both of these that it talks about. And it's like we're always looking for something that we don't have. We're always wanting something that we don't really have right now or we don't have access to, and we're going to work to get it. We're going to work to get it. And oftentimes, it's not peace that you're working towards. It's something in the flesh or something you've seen. Now, you might go, Pastor, you can't say a word because I know what you just did. You went on vacation, and you went for something you never got before, and you got it, and you marked it off your book. Please hear me. There's nothing wrong with having a vision, dream, and goal. But you got to hear what I'm saying. When you're doing it out of wrong motives, out of the lust for pleasure or the lust for just something that you don't have right now, and it's not to bring any honor and glory to God, it's all for your own satisfaction. You've misconstrued what God intended. See, We want to fill our taste buds. I, I really need to use another example. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll disqualify myself. See, the, what we believe will satisfy or quench our desire, we just want more and more and more of. Cravings for things which, let me use this word, minister to your sight or your physical pleasure. You see it, you've tasted it, you felt it, you wanted it, and it was all a flesh desire based on physical or sight. Those two things is very clear here in Matthew, you gotta be careful with. I love this song that they used to teach when I was in school and I've known it my whole life, I've taught it to my grandkids or their parents have, and it was just a real simple little song. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you taste. See, you can just keep going with, and what that song's about is teaching our young people, be careful about wanting only what you can touch, see, taste, smell, hear. Because if that's all you're wanting to bring satisfaction to your life, you're forgetting that there's a father looking at you that wants something deeper than that. Am I speaking to anybody today? Come on, we all have to deal with that, and that's a little song for our kids, but maybe we ought to go home singing it to ourselves. Oh, be careful, little Ashley. <laughs> you know, I mean, really? Well, maybe we ought to be singing that to ourselves. Michelle and I often, we, we've said this a hundred times. We have a desire, and I don't know if it's so much we. I think I've got her on board. But I, I've, we have a desire to go shopping a lot when it comes to things that we want. And we like car shopping. I like car selling, but I sometimes like car, most of the time I'm selling to go shopping. And if you get those out of order, and we've got to be careful, and we'll say, hey, let's not, we probably shouldn't go car shopping because we're going to create a desire in ourselves that we just can't leave alone. And Facebook Marketplace is an evil place if you're not careful. 
And it's a blessing. In other words, you just got to be careful that you have a God perspective before you start. Are you getting the lust of the eyes? The idea of a craving for things we see. And so we're careful that we don't go car shopping if we're not willing to go buy a car. Just be careful of what you put your eyes on. That's why right now the internet is such a dangerous place. Be careful, come on, where you put your eyes. Because in a very short time, you're going to be wanting where you put your eyes. You're going to be wanting something where you put your eyes. I put my eyes here and I want that. And so we, I mean, it's just a tool. They've known this for years with commercials. And if you'll watch this commercial, you'll see it. And you're like, I got to have that. I mean, I've done it. I've done it. Infomercials late at night, we used to get in and I'd watch them. I mean, they had this one that if you put on, it's electric impulses. And it'd sit there and go, and it'd give you an ab that looked like, you know, and so anyway, I bought it. It did not work. They're lying to you. Lying to be careful where you put your eyes. It's not all. It's it's a lust for something, a desire for something that you believe is going to bring fulfillment, and all you've got to know is that lust for that area is a perversion. Lust is a perversion of something that God intended for us to walk in, and that's a love for Him. And when you get a lust for things that are going to satisfy flesh. You've perverted the love that he wants you to have for him, which will produce a trust in time that he is the real deal and you can have a satisfaction in him. All right, so lust of the, of the things that we're having in life is flesh and love is from God and that is spirit. Do you see the difference? Okay, I got to move on. Number three, pride in our achievements and possessions. Pride of life. If the lust of the flesh is the bud, then the lust of the eye would be the blossom. And the pride of life is the matured fruit that comes from that bud and then that blossom. And then now we've got the pride of life. Conceit, self-satisfaction, that you're looking for to make yourself content. You know, to follow after the desires of the physical and of the eyesight and that, that to be the only thing you're looking for will produce a pride in what you got. It'll produce conceit that you did it and nobody else can. I'm not saying not to do something. I'm not saying not to pursue something. I'm not saying not to go after something. But make sure you check your motive. Was it lust or was it the love of God that he'll be glorified in what you're doing? I've got to stop here and just give you a little personal testimony. I enjoy hunting and I enjoy anything that has to do with holding a bow in your hand. I'm not a big fisherman. I've tried a lot of different hobbies and I thought I was good at all of them and I wasn't. And I'm not really that great at hunting either. I'll just be out there and straightforward. But I'm not going to quit trying. I, I like it. And I've got to be careful that I don't lust it. That it doesn't produce something in me. And so I was always looking for a way. And I'll just, this message right here, these three points, the craving, the physical pleasures, the lust for the, the flesh, the lust for the eye, and the conceit, the pride that comes, all of these things, the pride of life, was preached in a message in Georgia. Years ago, I was singing at this church, and we were doing the music for a conference we were in, and the pastor got up and preached on all these things. I remember at that time coming home and telling my wife, okay, 
I am not giving up hunting, but I'm going to transfer my motives. See, that maybe today this is for you to hear. Your motives have been all flesh. I'm not telling you to give up what you're doing. I'm saying change your motive. So that I'm not satisfying flesh, but I'm trusting in the Lord. And I'm believing God for the satisfaction. And then he will give me the desires. He'll give me the right desires. You know, you read that all the time. God's going to give me the desires of my heart. Have you ever thought about it like this? Instead of what your heart's desiring, he's going to put the right desire there. He's going to put the desire in your heart to want the right things. And that's what he started doing for me. And so I came home, and, and what I did is I got together with a lot of different people, and, and I developed a ministry out of hunting. And I did that because I didn't want all the glory, and I started realizing I could go on hunts and not shoot anything for my own pleasure, but I could get on a hunt knowing something that I knew a little bit about, and then I could get somebody else in this thing, film them, minister the word of God to them, then go out and minister the word of God about the hunt to others, and it'd just be another tool for the kingdom of God to flourish. See, I changed my motive to not bring myself satisfaction, but to bring the kingdom of God glory. And all of a sudden, I realized that joy and satisfaction had come from the Lord, and he could still use what I had for his glory. So I don't want you to go out here and think that pastor's telling you to go sell everything and change your whole life. No, I'm saying change the reason you're doing things and make things Christian-based so that you can further his kingdom. See, pride in your achievements is not a good thing. But bringing glory to God is all worth it. And so we've got these two areas where, well, you'd better not tell anybody you did anything because you're... I'm not saying that, but you need to be seen that you did it so he can be seen. Well, there's so much here. And I'm already telling you because it's 1130. If you're watching, watch, there's no way. No way I can get this all done today, so you got to come back next week. Everybody's got to be here next week anyway because it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. We've got people being baptized And we're talking about foundational truths here. And so we talk about God wanting us blessed in this church all the time. Do you believe that he does? I do too. But when we're never thankful and we're never satisfied with the blessings that we have, then we're not looking like we're his. We're always waiting for something we don't have. We're always looking for what we don't have. We'll, uh, we, we allow, we're looking for happiness outside the will of God, and it's then that we will never be able to acknowledge the blessings of God when you're not in the blessing of God. When you're not in the will of God, the will of God is the blessing. I, I, I'm going to explain this way better. I want to give you a seven-point plan today. Seven points. I know it's not a three-point sermon. This is a seven-point sermon. And then in each one of these points, I'm probably going to have 20 or 30. Not that many. A few. So the first point that I want to get to in your seven-point plan, it's necessary for you, starts in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In fact, they're all here, and I want to read this whole passage, and then we'll talk about them. So I'm not even to number one. Let's just read Deuteronomy 6, because God gives the secret of a happy and a fruitful and a satisfied life, which is a lasting feeling of joy. 
Here we go. Deuteronomy 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them, repeat them, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them around your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Number one of the seven points, the Lord, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. Verse four, the Lord and the Lord alone is our God. To live a truly happy, satisfied, fruitful life, one must first recognize God's true identity. He is the one true God. Come on, church. He is the one true God. There is no one before him, or is there? Now, you've got to acknowledge that if you're going to get the first point, the seven points that I want to give today that will let you live a satisfied and joyful life, you've got to get that he is God. Now, everything in life can be a God to you, and we still have people in the church living with that attitude. People making something else their God. They worship and hold high their car. They hold high their relationship. They hold high their kids. They live life all through their kids and their kids are their God. Their job is their God. Their hobby is their God. You just fill in the blank. Ephesians 4, 5 says there's only one Lord. And he's to be first in every area of your life. Number two, he must be able to have all your love. He's got to have all your love. Now, keep in mind, that's opposite of lust. And your love is your desire, your excitement, your thrill, your little fuzzies, your, your butterflies, your everything needs to be centered on him. He needs to have all of that. And any time that your hobby, your car, the things that are satisfying the lusts of the flesh or the lust of the eyes, any time those things are put into a position above God, We've got a problem. So you always got to check that. He's got to have all of that. You, he, can't, he can't share that with your new four-wheeler. He can't share that with your car. He can't share that with your spouse. He can't share it with your kids. He's got to have all, first place, prominent, all of your love. Now, when you commit your life to him, you're learning that. I get that. And it doesn't happen all at once, but what we do is we get messed up. We get addicted to things. We get in positions why, how did we get where we're at? Because we didn't give him first place. We didn't give him all our love. And he's got to have all of it. He's got to have all of it. Deuteronomy 6, 5. You must love the Lord your God with all of your being, 
all of your heart, your physical. You've got to love him with all of your soul, all your mind, your will, and emotions. You've got to love him with all of your physical being. I want him more than anything. I want to be in his presence more than anything. I'm just telling you, it'll work for your life if you put him in first place. Number three, you got to have an outward commitment. Verses 6 through 9, verse 6, when the Lord is loved, his words will be treasured, his words will be thought of, they'll be talked about, they'll be written down, they'll be read, they'll be daily lived by, and people will see it. They'll see it. They can't, if, there's, if there's an outward commitment to the Lord, people can't not. In your life, if there's an outward commitment, I, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But I'm not praying at a restaurant in front of people. I'm not ashamed of the gospel except for I'm not praying in front of anybody. <laughs> because I'm, they might make fun of me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying right now. You can pray in line at Walmart. I've done it. We'll do it again. I have asked people if I can pray for them in public places. I've done it, and I've had people say, no, I'd rather you not. Well, I'm just sitting here going at all times. I'm going, to, hey, listen, I want you to know that I'm going to live life outwardly as a Christian. And I'm not trying to find little ways to put it in there, but there are times that I have stepped back and not, and man, I sit there and go, what were you thinking? You And I call myself a name. Not a cuss word, just a name. I don't know if bonehead's a cuss I call myself a bonehead. Like there ain't nothing there but bone. What's the deal with you? Come on. You need to think. You need to have an outward commitment. Not to glorify yourself, but to not be ashamed of the gospel. Now, so I ask, if you have an outward commitment, then people should see it, right? And you're not living an outward commitment to try to get people to see it because that would be a perversion of love. So what you're doing is all three of those points will come into play with all seven of these points. So the whole thing is if I'm going to live an outward commitment, how can I do that without bringing glory to myself? And we, we, see, I don't want the pride of life sitting there on the reason I'm bringing glory and honor to God. But I'm still supposed to live an outward commitment. Are you seeing the balance here? There's a balance. Well, how do I live that balance? And that's what I'm trying to teach today. Well, you find out in time, you watch how you're living. And you'll know by what other people say that are close to you what you're committed to. This is a real dangerous thing for you to do, but I challenge you. Ask your spouse, what do you think I'm committed to? Ask your kids, hey, what do you think I'm committed to? I'm your dad. What do you think I'm what do you see that I'm committed to? Your outward actions, how you operate, what you say, and what you do will be a good indicator of what you're committed to. See, as I'm talking about outward, outward things is one of these seven points. I ask you, what are you committed to? Let me give you one more to look at. Go to your Facebook page and let's look at your last 20 points. 20 things that you're committed to. I can tell you what a lot of Christians are committed to. They're committed to putting down other Christians. 
Their last 20 posts are all about how the church is all messed up. Well, that's bringing a lot of honor to the world, isn't it? It sure is because the world's saying that the church is messed up. Don't jump on that page. Your outward communication to the world ought to be bringing glory and honor to the church and to the kingdom of God. What are you saying to your employees? What are you saying to your coworkers? What, ask one of them, hey, what do you see that I'm committed to? If you want to know, you can find out. Why? Because your outward commitment will be represented by what other people see. You will ask them and they'll tell you, well, here's what you're committed to. What you wear shows your sign of commitment. What you wear. What? I'm committed to good times. I loved what Jeff Ward wore. Wonderful member of our church. His son, right back here, he's going to kill me for saying this. Please don't and please come back, Ryan. But he is wearing a shirt in honor of his dad today. He may not even think about that. I wore a shirt Wednesday night, and I never put on a Hawaiian shirt. That... And what I can tell you, if you look at Jeff Ward's life, he was committed to his family, and his family would go on vacation, and they would hang out together. He was committed to his wife, and the best times of his life were surrounding what God had made and what God had done for his family. And that shirt represented, what are you committed to? See, are you getting that? Is what you wear is a big deal. Well, what are you wearing today? That's why moms and dads, you need to pick out your clothes for your kids. They don't know any better. You're not wearing that. Why? Because we're going to church. Does anybody ever say that anymore? They do here, praise God. If you're listening to this on podcast, then hear that. What are you wearing today? Why? Do you not trust me? No. It's a good word to tell you. I don't trust you. Why? Because I've watched what you've picked out before. See, we got, we got to get to a place where we have an outward commitment. We're teaching our kids an outward commitment. How you handle situations, where you hang out, what you're talking about to your kids and to others. Are you hearing this? An outward commitment. I had a guide um, that, that guides fishing trips down in Texas, and, and uh, he, he was someone who the first time a couple years ago that we, we hired him to take us on, a, on an outing, he was a little rough. I mean, he was real rough. And we go out, and he said, I brought a cooler full of stuff, and, and in a very short time, he was like, yeah, I don't think you probably want the stuff I brought. I'll drink what you got. And so, anyway, so in a very short time, he just was, we weren't putting him down. We were just having a blast. And at the end of the night, I remember him coming up and saying, I had one of the greatest nights with you guys. This was so fun. And I didn't do anything I normally do. We shot a whole bunch of fish. What do you normally do? I didn't say that, but I mean, but you know that same guy I saw this year when I was down there, and we were standing around, and I said, man, we could sure use you again, and he said, well, I'll tell you where to go, but I can't, I can't help you, and I said, why not? He goes, what about tomorrow afternoon, Sunday afternoon? He goes, no, 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 I can't, I can't do that, and I said, why? He said, because me and my wife, we found a new church. He couldn't wait to tell me. We found a new church, so I, I won't be guiding you on a Sunday. An outward, com an outward commitment, just his one he had two years ago 
gave me a different understanding of what he was committed to than what I had Yes. What are you committed to? What do people see that you're committed to? Now, I, I know that that's a big, big statement, and I spent a lot of time there, but I think it's important that you get one of the seven is having an outward commitment. Number three, or number four, that was number three. Number four, you've got to realize that you have an undeserved possession. You possess something that you didn't deserve. Now, that's the definition of grace. You have grace, so if you want to write something real short, you have grace. You're like, I'm in the middle of trying to write possession. No, just write grace. Verse 10, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land that he swore to give you. You know you have blessings based on your communication with the Lord. You have blessings available to you based on what you know he said. Verse 10, this is a big deal. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land that he swore to give you. Do you know he has some promises for your life that he's just waiting for you to realize he said it to you and you don't even talk to him? You don't hear what he has to say. You don't communicate, so you don't realize that blessing's there. You don't realize that's available. You don't realize healing's for you, and you're just going to live in pain for the next 30 years. Wait, healing's available. See, there are some promises that are available based on the Word that will affect you physically, spiritually, emotionally, that will take care of a lot of different areas, your mind, will, and emotions. You can have some peace. You can have some joy in areas in your mind that you just haven't been able to handle, and you can have some areas in your physical being that's been causing you a lot of problems that all of a sudden you don't have to let them cause problems anymore. There are some things that can happen all based on the grace of God and you didn't do anything to deserve it but you get it anyway because of what he did for you but when you don't know that he swore you could have it then you're not going to get it I just can't read my word that one scripture that you missed was the one thing that would have brought you into a blessing and satisfaction and joy and you never read it we got young people forever wanting something, and it's available for them based on what the Word says, but they don't believe that God has it for them, so they never get it. Yeah. I've found that people who don't believe that they can get healed usually don't. People who don't believe the promises and the treasures and the things that are available in the kingdom, ah, it never happens for me. Well, no wonder you don't believe it ever is going to. At what point do you start believing that God really is God and that he loves you and he wants to bless you? He wants to, he wants to bless you in ways that you didn't even know you could be blessed in. Well, I just don't know about tithing. Then you have no idea about what Malachi says. Because if you won't rob him in the tithe, there's windows of heaven that are opened in areas that I, they're way even bigger than just money. It's an obedience thing that the wind is open. In fact, sometimes the wind is open and people think it's just money and they do it for a while and then they still have money because the man, and then the windows of heaven that was open was peace, joy, and contentment and they're no longer in peace, joy, and contentment because they didn't handle their money right or the money that came in they started getting all prideful about, conceitful about, and they let it go to lust of the eyes, lust of the pleasures of life, the pride and the contentment. Come on, are you here? This all makes perfect sense, and I'm done. Y'all stand. I got a whole lot more to say. You want to be here next week. Come on. We want a joyful and satisfied life. Who wants it? I want it. I, I, I want it. 
I want it not for my pride, not for my conceit, see, not for anything for self-satisfaction, but because the kingdom of God will prosper, and I know what it's going to do in the lives of all those that are surrounding me. I know what it's going to do for my grandkids. I know what it's going to do for my wife. If I... Can we just get it off ourselves for a second and realize joy and satisfaction comes from kingdom principles, not flesh. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.